made it to the holiday break. Ooh boy, what is happening, family? It's good to be back. We are at that time of the year where a recharge is necessary. Could not wait to get to 3.15 this past Friday because it meant no school, no children's until we ringing 2024. The interesting thing for me as an educator in my current position about the holiday break is that I will have just really kind of gotten to know my current crop of students. And within two months after the new year, so come the end of February of 2024, I will already know who the next crop will be and be starting to get a sense of who they are. So the year goes quickly. And because of that, because there's always so much going on, this break at the holidays means a lot. The holiday break also means that the first round college admissions is just getting started. And you have students who have made the bold choice to apply early decision to places, getting those first round of decisions. So I want to talk a little bit about that because it is a stressful time for students when they make that decision to apply early. And it also can be a stressful situation when they do not get the decision they are looking for from that school. So I want to talk a little bit about that in the open. I got my sis back, Jennifer Rivers, to talk about what that looks like from an admissions perspective and how she counsels students, but I have some thoughts I want to share right after this. Taking Notes with Dr. John Carroll is powered by Bixie Pots, makers of high-quality shea butter that keeps the body moisturized for the whole day. Visit BixiePots.com today. Okay, so there's a couple things that I've learned about the early action and early decision process, both from watching parents go through it and then having the privilege and benefit of being colleagues with some of the best admissions deans and counselors in the country. And so what I want to try and do is mix that perspective from the professionals and then put it through a parent perspective because I'm literally going through this now and I believe I have an understanding and an empathy of what parents think, even though they may hear certain things from their counselors. So that's kind of how I want to broach this as I give my thoughts. So the first thing that comes to mind for me when I think about the early action, early decision process is to distinguish between the two. Early decision is a binding application. You are basically saying, University X, you are the one I want. If you say yes to me, then I'm coming and my admissions process is over. We have matched with each other and all is great and wonderful. I've loved you from afar since middle school and I can't wait to be part of your campus and tradition and community and the whole thing. That's early decision. Early action 
similar, except it's not binding. So this is a situation where you may want that school, you have studied that school, but at the end of the day, you can hedge your bets a little bit and not be committed to that school if they take you. So that is one difference. I'm all for in the college process, keeping your options for as long as you can. But for those who choose to go early decision, these are the things that I have learned to keep in mind. The first thing is what I call the overreach or the shooting too high. And so this comes from the idea that every year, certainly in the last five, and I put five because trends before that are largely outdated, but in the last five years, you have seen colleges take in more applications for early decision, partly because testing requirements and things of that nature have been eased in many cases. So colleges are taking in more applications. People are taking that shot. And also colleges are becoming even more selective. So I looked up the statistics at my good old alma mater, the currently embattled University of Pennsylvania. And so in the last three years, the applications for early decisions, this is just early decision, have gone from 6,000, just over 6,000 applicants in 2021 to last year for the class of 2023, 7,000. So you've seen a jump. Now, in addition, their selectivity has gone down. They're taking less percentage of those students. So in 2021, they took 22% or admitted 1,300 students. In 2023, they only took in 18%. So admitting 1,200. So you have to keep that in mind when looking at where to apply. And the overreach comes in where you look at yourself as a student and you say, well, I have this GPA and I think I've done pretty well for myself. Let's say you have a nice, solid, healthy 3.7 GPA. Well, many savvy, in-the-know, well-resourced college counselors will tell you that 3.7 at your top tier universities, I call them the aspirational places, the Ivies and their uh, cousins, 3.7 does not move the needle. These are places where the average GPA, certainly for kids that they're going to take early at early decision is above four. So for you to take your 3.7 GPA and apply to one of these top universities where the early decision admissions rate is already at a two in 10, two students out of 10 are getting in, that's an overreach to me. Because you knew going in or you were told going in that this doesn't meet the bar, your, your resume does not meet the bar and the statistics, but yet you take the shot. 
what I've learned is that if you are going to apply early decision, you take that shot where you are in the midst, in the, in the, in the range of those GPAs, those SAT and ACT scores that that school would take. Because now, not only are you much more of a fit for their profile, you are also demonstrating that you want to be there. And now the, the likelihood for a match goes up. Avoid the overreach. Now, if you're, first, if you're perfectly fine taking the overreach, you view it as a lottery scratch off and you don't care what the result, so be it. But I have experienced way too many students who start off with, it's not going to matter that much for me to take a shot and then end up being very, very disappointed when the results come out. And they are either deferred, which means effectively the decision on admissions has been kicked down the road until March or April when they accept the rest of the class or they've been rejected altogether which is the flat out no, this process is over. So avoid the overreach. The second thing that I would highly recommend when it comes to early decision or early action is making sure that you know the school really, really well. You want to make sure that if you are going to spend extra time and hours getting recs, filling out applications, doing essays for early decision, early action, that you know and have got a good why, that you have an understanding of what that campus looks like, not only empty, but the student life. Perhaps you have a sense of what program that you are looking for. Really know the school. Because again, there's an impact on your studies in that first quarter and senior year when you really should be trying to enjoy your last bit of high school. And again, when you get to this time of the year and that decision comes out and it's not a good one, that really puts a damper as you are finishing your first semester, a hit to your ego that now you have to recover from as you are trying to keep your grades up, keep your candidacy up, and then also finishing out your final year of high school. So that's my little two cents on early admission. As with any advice I would give on admissions and have given on admissions and application processes, it's a team effort between student applicant and their family. And it's really important that everybody work together along with whoever the professionals are on your team, whether school college counselors or outside counselors, that everybody's on the same page. So that's my spiel. Coming up, I bring my sister in, talk about how she approaches this with her students. We'll be right back. Okay, it's a big week if you are a student in high school because if you are applying to college and applied any kind of early 
situation, whether it's early decision, early action, you are about to get letters. They are starting to trickle out. The, the big day is coming soon after we get off this taping. And so I needed to bring in an expert to process, you know, how parents and families should be thinking about this early decision period and what it means. And for those who may have to regroup, how they might do that. So welcome back. My sister, the one and only, soon to be Dr. Jeff Rivers. How are you this evening? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I'll get right into it because I'm not going to take up too much of your valuable time. And I'm just curious, as someone who is an admissions professional, what are the things that you continue to encourage families um, to remember as the decision time approaches, right? It's one thing for families to make a commitment to apply either early action or early decisions. Another time as that, you know, decision to finally approach it. So what are the things that you help them keep at the forefront of their mind? So the biggest thing is once their young person hits that submit button, you know, the good news about early decision, early action deadlines are that you know exactly when you're going to get a decision. So I tell them always, don't stress too much between the time that that submit button is hit and you get the decision back between like what's going to happen. Because what's going to be is what's going to be. Um, and it sounds like easier said than done to not be worried or stressed out, but... I think that if you've done kind of the pre-work in terms of if, you know, as a professional, if I've had the conversation about whether or not this is the right thing to do and there is a fully fleshed out plan, then, you know, there's really no need to stress. Really, you have to trust the process. And so I really encourage, you know, that level of conversation. Do not stalk the admissions office because their timeline is going to be their timeline. And, you know, you just have to trust that, you know, all the work that's going in up until that point is going to be sufficient and just know whatever the outcome is that you're going to have options. Um, so those are usually, you know, the quick and dirty, like what I tell families, you know, during this waiting period. And so you mentioned the outcome, right? So once that outcome does happen and the statistics say, you know, increasingly, especially in the last couple of years post-COVID, that colleges are on this very selective end of the pendulum um, in terms of how much of the class they are letting in via early decision, early action. How do you help students in particular and families regroup to think about how they go about, you know, their second set of options? So it really depends on the requirement some person expects. Very often, one of the advantages to early decision, early action, um, or going through that process is that oftentimes it's not a flat out no if a young person does not get in early decision or early action. Usually that means that there is there is time to regroup and to decide, you know, how you want to move forward while still being a candidate in the process. So again, while you may not be a candidate in the early action, early decision pool, you can still be deferred to regular decision, which simply means that they may ask for 
additional information. So meaning your grades. So they may ask for, you know, your fall, winter semester grades just to see if you made any sort of improvement. They may not ask you for anything and you're just thrown into the pool with all the other students that are applying regular decision, but also with the confidence that you've already gotten a review. And while you may not have been competitive for their first round decisions, you may indeed get a decision um, being deferred to regular admissions, right? And so what it does is that it opens up the other options that you may have in play. Because remember, early decision is a binding um, commitment. Early action is not binding, but it allows you to kind of both, you know, now that you are not in that early decision pool, you're able to really look at anything else that may have been on the table that very well may be a viable option for you. So it's not the end of the world. That's the short of it that I'll tell a family. Like, you know, yes, it's devastating to not know, you know, because I find that a lot of young people that I'm working with, particularly with this recent class, are very anxious and they want to know, which is what's driven their decision to apply early. But and while not knowing can be stressful, it's not the end of the world, right? So you still have opportunity. And what you can be doing in the meantime is making sure that you continue to engage with the institution if that's a school that you still really want to go to so that you're showing interest. So I, interestingly enough, I was just at a counselor's convening of, you know, counselors mainly of independent schools across the Delaware Valley um, earlier this week. And one of the things that one of my colleagues shared was that there are certain schools, and I won't name those schools, that actively will look to see how a young person is engaging with them during the admissions process. So meaning, are they opening up the emails that the schools are sending to them, even if it's just to say, hey, you know, we, we see that you applied, or hey, you applied, there's this event because it might be, you know, that we want to invite you to. It might be something that you're interested in based on what you indicated that you wanted to major in. Or, hey, we're coming to your area, and this is an opportunity for you to maybe engage with some alumni. Whatever that thing might be, they're looking to see how a student is engaging with them in that process. And they're actually evaluating and making decisions about whether or not that student is going to be a good fit for their campus based on the engagement, which I find to be a little crazy considering the fact that young people get so overwhelmed and they're inundated with a lot of email mm. during the process. It is easy to be like, you know what? I applied. This is nice. Or I, you know, this is not the subject line isn't necessarily something that indicates that this is urgent. So I'm just going to delete so that I can clean out my inbox. But just beware that, you know, and this is stuff that I guess, you know, I got the impression that admissions counselors aren't necessarily sharing that this is a part of their process. Um, but I got an indication just from a counselor inquiring for a student that she's working with for a school that's pretty selective that they share with her that that's a part of their process. So students just need to be mindful.
So just want to share that out because, you know, I don't know. That was the first time I'd ever heard that. And I found that to be a bit ridiculous. But, you know, it's a part of, I guess, the game that young people have to play if they really are interested in a school. Let me stay on that for a second. Do you feel like that is a reaction to the fact that with many schools and there being a push for many schools to go either no SAT or test optional, that that becomes now a way to weed out what are growing, you know, applicant pools? Oh, absolutely, because they want to see who's really serious and interested in their institutions because they're really trying to play the game around. Yes, I'm saying we're sending out X number of acceptances, but we know we're not going to yield all of these students. And we really want to see, like, who in actuality would we be yielding as a result of all this work that we're putting in to shape the class. So I think that, yes, I absolutely think that it is in reaction to that, um, but to the detriment of young people. So I don't agree that you should be penalizing a young person um, or measuring their interest based off in, of an email that they open. I mean, how many of us adults like delete emails that we get? you know, that don't appear to be urgent. Or like you say, you know, or very much just skimming the subject line. And if that's not, you know, urgent in the moment, then it gets saved for later. And sometimes it becomes never. I want to go back into the school community quickly. When we think about, you know, students who are um, in this early decision, early applicant pool, again, some of them are going to find great success and happiness and knowing, as you mentioned, some of them are going to be in that recruit Mm -hmm. camp. What do you do as someone who's in a school and in this admissions process to help kind of maintain the continuity of the class and community, given that there are these two polar opposite reactions that are going to start? You know, they've already started. Again, we've got Trickle. I saw you posted from your school. You had a student um, get a great, you know, acceptance as a Crestbridge scholar. Um, well, how do you maintain that balance? Because you're going to have going into the holiday break, no less people who are really, really happy and people who are in their fields? Well, honestly, I haven't had to do much because I find that the students are very supportive of their peers. Mm. So I think, you know, very early on in their process, even going back to the end for, for this particular class, so the class of 24 that I'm working with now, many of them, because we start talking about their process really right at the end of their junior year, a lot of them are aware of like how their peers are applying to schools. And I think that we do a lot on the front end to really kind of help each, you know, the students and the class understand that your admissions process is going to be your admissions process. You know, don't get caught up in what everyone else is doing or get caught up in um, the decisions or how students are receiving decisions. Because I see that a lot in, you know, what happens on social media. You know, you have young people that are applying to 30, 40 colleges, which I think is is insane, right? Because you have so many other things that you should be focused on in your senior year. And really, you don't need to apply to 30, 40 colleges. You, you know, like, that's just not that's something that you need to do. But yet, you know, it's easy for young people to get caught up in that because of what they see and, you know, the nice kind of social media moment that you can have if you say, oh, I got into these 30 colleges, you know? So 
I think, you know, one, I haven't had to really do much because our, I feel like, you know, we've done the work on the front end to make sure that students understand that their process is their process. Um, students on a whole seem to be very supportive of one another. And there's a clear kind of understanding about what the expectation should be. So yes, if you're applying early, then naturally you're going to get a decision early. Right. So you're going to know either way if you've gotten in or you've been deferred or whatever. Right. So the goal would be to have like a cross section of what that, you know, timetable might look like for you. You know, and if you haven't gotten anything at this point, it's OK, because most people are not getting their decisions right now. Right. So I think it's really just, you know, understanding as a, as a professional, it's important for me to understand not just who students are as individuals, but understand kind of like the culture of the class. And I knew that going into this year, I was going to be dealing, you know, my particular school, this senior class was going to be a, a, a large part, a large group of high achieving students that were going to be applying to school early. This is the first time in the this is going on year three for me at Crystal Ray. Um, but my first two years, I didn't necessarily have that. So that was a whole nother level of like learning and kind of resetting for me and for my team to make sure that we can serve these students and their families in the best way possible. Love it. Thank you, sis, for the wisdom as always. So hopefully the remainder of the Crystal Ray students awaiting decisions here Good news and, and and across the country, students who are, you know, got their fingers crossed, waiting to get early action, early decision uh, notices, find something good. Say come the weekend as they go into the holidays. So talk to you soon and we'll have to talk again on come regular decision deadline time. Oh, absolutely. But just know, like, there's still a lot of work to be done. And I would say, like, you know, if anything, students should be shifting energy towards scholarships. So, wow, yes, we're going to celebrate you because you got into school and you might know where you're going to go or you might still be looking at options. You know, also keep the idea, keep in mind the money piece. Um, and I, I don't think that that's something that is just relevant to one population of students. I think that all parents can attest to the fact that, you know, I may got it, but you ain't got it. Or, you know, I may have it, but I'm trying to keep that in my pocket. Absolutely. So, it can definitely you know, be put towards something else. Well, that's the beauty of talking to last minister as, as as my expert every now and again. You read my mind. So not only do I want to talk scholarships with you, but the rise and, you know, effectiveness of kind of these scholarship programs that you can apply to and then mm -hmm. cast your net into a different, you know, number of schools via that. So can I leave you next time after the holidays? Say, take care of the babies, kiss the babies for me, and I'll, I'll chop it up with you soon. Thank you. Talk to you soon. There goes my sister. We'll see who's coming to the Dean's Office right after this. The Dean's Office and the Honor Roll are brought to you by the Honey Body Collection. For quality personal moisturizing products from body wash to beard oil, visit thehoneybodycollection.com today. Dean's Office this week, I'd love to have audience with the leaders at the Federal Bureau of Corrections as it is high time we really put forth reform when we think about prisons. All summer we heard about the inhuman conditions that exist 
in institutions like Rikers Island that have had inmates die there because of the lack of healthy and humane living conditions. Now, most recently, we see in Alabama a lawsuit put forth that effectively makes the case that inmates there are being treated as slaves, which is, of course, outlawed, outlawed excuse me, by our Constitution. So it's one thing if we decide to remove those who have been convicted of a crime from the community in the name of safety. It is another thing when in that removal, we treat them as less than human and have no plan for rehabilitation. So we'd love to talk to the leaders at the Federal Bureau of Corrections about that. On the honor roll this week, I want to give a shout out and salute to Texas Longhorn middle blocker and now back-to-back NCAA volleyball champion Asia O'Neill, who has had to persevere through a congenital heart condition, a leak in her mitral valve that has required two open-heart surgeries, the most recent in 2019, and she has made it through it all to be at the top of the volleyball world and the number one draft pick in the most recent Women's Pro Volleyball League draft. So a major, major salute to Asia for her skill, for her perseverance, and for her talent. A bright future lies ahead. Salute. That's it for this week. I hope everyone is beginning to enjoy the holidays, whether it's arriving to see family or just having moments to relax, recharge, watch some good holiday movies. I wish you the best as we finish out 2023 and look forward to 2024. I will see you right here next week on Taking Notes with Dr. John Carroll. The views expressed by John Carroll and his guest in the preceding podcast are solely that of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers, companies, or other associated parties.